The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Um, it might be nice uh, for me, and maybe for you, uh, if we start uh, with uh, maybe a couple of comments from you uh, about uh, what it was like to do the med- uh, loving kindness meditation at home, if you, if you did it during the week. Um, I had essentially a question while I was doing the meditation. I found that while I was doing the uh, the mantra, as you referred to it, well, the, it. the, the intent, intentional mantra. I, I, call, I said it was a kind of a uh, somewhere between a prayer and a mantra. Yeah, um, I realized that uh, I found that for me, I wanted to focus on one specific area. In addition, I, I have problems sleeping, so I added on a wish like, "May I sleep well." I want to know if it, if it if it makes sense to be very specific in the in these uh, in in this or whether it may make it leave it more general. Great question. So that gives me an opportunity to say that um, I make a very important point here, and that is um, there's no shoulds when you do loving kindness, a practice, when you do meditation. It's all it's all meant for your betterment and well-being, and whatever helps you. It makes you feel better and makes you feel kinder, more generous, you know. Um, uh, uh, and it's, uh, um, the, the instructions I'll give you are a particular way, a classic way of doing it. Uh, but you can also see it's a, just a generic way. And once you get the sense of it, you're welcome to um, uh, vary it and be quite creative about it. I've known people who have, um, you know, we say the phrases, who have uh, uh, put the phrases to a tune, and that was really helpful for them, kind of singing it to themselves for example, or people make up their own phrases, their own words, whatever they want. And so your idea that you would do it specifically to some aspect of yourself, um, that's creative, and that's, that's if, and the, the, the way that, you'd rather ask me if it's okay, you find out by uh, testing it, experimenting, and if it seems to be helpful for you and nice for you to do it that way, great. If it turns out that um, it doesn't really do much for you, then maybe don't do that way again. And so, but so, so it's it's quite nice with loving kindness practice um, to do it creatively, to make it really your own. And uh, in terms of doing it loving kindness towards oneself, um, it's also uh, could be very nice sometimes to direct it to specific aspects of oneself. Like if uh, your knees hurt, may my knees be at ease, <laughs> you know, or may my anxieties fall away, or uh, you know, it's something specific. And I know some people who have I've taught this sometimes where you do a kind of a guided body scan where you offer loving kindness systematically to different parts of your body. So I'm saying all this as a way to show you that you can be quite creative. And, um, and, uh, and also this very important point that um, don't, when you do this particular practice, uh, don't have any shoulds. And don't be measuring yourself against you know, what's supposed to be happening. I'm doing it right. I'm, I'm surely I must be doing it wrong. Um, that's just a waste of time, that kind of thinking. Um, it just uh, The idea is to kind of make it your own and just kind of ex- be comfortable and explore your own way as you go through it. And if you do that, you'll probably feel more relaxed and settled, which is a better condition for the arising of kindness. So someone else? Here. So if you could wait for the mic, please. Um, along the same lines, how, mu- how important is the very first word? In other words, may is like asking for permission. Whereas um, I can is more affirmative. Does, is, that, is it important how you use your, you know, 
your request, whether it's a request to yourself as opposed to an affirmation of yourself? Yeah, I mean, again, uh, uh, there's no you know, right or wrong way of doing this. So whatever seems helpful for you, so you can experiment and see. Um, uh, but loving kindness practice is not an affirmation practice because an affirmation is saying what is, whereas loving kindness is, um, is this beautiful, it's, it has to do with a wishing, a well-wishing. And um, so like you probably see it very clearly with someone else. If someone comes to you and wishes you well, um, uh, if you're sick, that has much more meaning than when you're sick, someone comes to you and says, you're healthy. <laughs> you know, just like, you know, well, that's nice, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, something quite beautiful happens with a well-wishing. So the may has to do with this kind of intention. Um, uh, and so for loving-kindness practice, it's really an intention practice where we find an intention, which is like a wish, and we give voice to it. And so an affirmation is not an intention. And there's something very, very powerful that happens when intentions get stronger, that movement of intentionality um, uh, becomes a stronger force within us, um, that I think has much lot more lasting effect on the psyche, on the soul, whatever, on the heart, than um, an affirmation has. The danger with affirmation is that affirmations sometimes are a covering over. And even though they might be true affirmations, they still sometimes function as a kind of a covering over of what's there. Whereas the loving kindness is, is meant to kind of more like kind of come from underneath and dissolve it. So. Maybe one more, please. I'm curious if it's more important to try to feel the intention or focus on the phrase, because the phrase can be distracting to yeah. me. Yes. Uh, so is it more important to uh, focus on the intention than it is to, on the phrase? Yeah, the, the, uh, the, uh, much more important to focus on the intention. Uh, and f- f- feel it, sense it, get in touch with it. Um, and some people don't use phrases. Phrases are not, not required. Um, classically, that's what, how it's done. But some people find actually that gets in the way and they find it's better just to kind of connect to the, that intention, that wishing, that good-heartedness, and just kind of in, a, in their own way kind of water it, feed it, uh, fan it with the flames of attention or whatever, and, um, and let it grow that way without using the words. Some people find that you're saying the phrases um, uh, is kind of like a strong acknowledgement of that intention. So sometimes a verbal acknowledgement lets something grow and and, uh, flower. Sometimes the words can get in the way. So it's up to you as you find helpful. But the intention is really the heart of this practice. And that's important because uh, some people think you're supposed to feel loving when you do loving kindness. And it's not required to feel loving uh, that's a nice byproduct that might, can happen. What's important is to, f- is to connect to that intention, that wish that you have for someone's well-being. And, and that intention, intentionality is much deeper than a feeling. Like a feeling, I feel, I feel all lovey and bubbly. Um, that's a feeling that comes and goes, but intentions have a deeper root in the, in the psyche and have greater benefit and can play itself out in our lives in a variety of different useful ways, in a way that feelings... Um, might not. Okay. So the word, um, uh, the Buddhist word for loving kindness is metta. And um, it's usually defined as, the, um, as uh, wishing or intending, having the wish that someone uh, be happy, be well, um, be safe, live at ease. It's distinguished from uh, compassion, 
Where compassion, you're meeting someone who's suffering. And there, when you do compassion meditation, you would use the phrase, may you be free of your suffering. It also differs from another kind of love, which you talk about in Buddhism, called sympathetic joy, which is when you encounter someone who is really happy, has a lot of success, and then you would, uh, you, you would uh, have the phrase, may your success continue. May your hap- you know. A loving kindness is more the foundation of a kind of a, a foundational approach to approach all people. And if, uh, and if that, that kind heart meets someone suffering, it morphs into compassion. The kind heart, if you meet someone who's really happy, it morphs into sharing in their joy, empathic joy. Empathic joy. So um, the word is metta, and um, it's a cognate. It's very closely connected to the ancient Buddhist word for friend, which is mitta. So they have the same root. And, um, and there's no coincidence, because sometimes metta is defined as, uh, as um, loving friendship or a kind friendship or kind of, a kind of friendliness to ourselves or friendliness to others. And there's something very um, um, meaningful about having friendships. Some people have trouble with friends, and that's you know it's an area of suffering. But even so, it's a very meaningful place. That's part of the reason why people suffer around it. Um, but the, but the, movement, the, the movement to be friendly um, is one of the very significant ways in which human beings relate to each other, develop friendships, to be friendly to people even who are strangers, you invite, you know, classically, you, in the ancient, ancient world, especially in some places still today, a stranger comes to your community, to your house, you invite them in. Uh, you, you're a host, you're friendly to anybody and everyone. And so part of the spirit of cultivating in loving-kindness practice is a spirit or an attitude of friendliness towards ourselves, towards others. Uh, last week, we talked about doing loving-kindness towards oneself, and today we'll talk, begin talking about doing loving kindness towards others, which is beginning to kind of open up with uh, some attitude of friendliness to others. There are some people who are your good friends, perhaps, and it's easy to feel friendship towards them. There are people for whom you don't feel much ordinary friendship for, or it doesn't come naturally, but it's possible to cultivate a friendly attitude and meet them with friendship. In fact, it's even possible to meet someone who is... Um, uh, hostile to you uh, with a friendly attitude. Sometimes it can disarm them. It can be very helpful. Friendliness doesn't depend on whether you feel like your bosom friends. But friendliness is an attitude that's cultivated. So one of the things being cultivated in loving-kindness is friendliness. Or some people can relate to this term, loving-kindness, better if we think of it as friendliness as opposed to loving-kindness. Exactly how it should be translated into English is anybody's guess. The Buddha didn't speak English, so, um, you know, it's friendliness, loving-kindness, goodwill, um, benevolence, you know, it's many, many different words. Um, a huge part of Buddhist spirituality has to do with uh, cultivating healthy relationships with other people. And in uh, the service of this loving-kindness practice is, is an important aid. Um, to somehow beginning to break the barriers between people, beginning to develop an instinct or a habit, or to you know to reach out to people or meet people with some basic uh, human friendliness to the people we encounter. So here with the uh, so so we begin classically with loving kindness towards oneself, and then we start with other people. 
And the principle for doing loving kindness is, well, loving kindness is done through these different categories of beings, of people. And you move through the categories. So first you would do it to yourself. Then you do it to someone who is called a uh, benefactor. Then you do it towards a friend. Then you do it towards a, a so-called neutral person. And then uh, an enemy or a difficult person. So the principle behind this is you're supposed to choose, start with the person who's easiest to have loving kindness, kindness, friendliness towards. And, uh, and then you go, start there, and you get it established there. You get it going there, kind of flowing there. Uh, some feeling of friendliness, of warmth, of goodwill, of kindness towards the person who's easy, where it's easy. We already have it almost naturally. It's just like, just right there on the surface, ready to go. And then you begin seeing if you can expand or stretch that friendliness to, uh, so, it, so it's at, that's, that, you're that friendly, that kind, towards someone who, you, who in the past you've almost been that kind towards. Okay, so you take a, you know, someone and you kind of you work that person for a while in the practice until you feel you have a well, good flow of kindness and good intention towards that person. And then you take it to, st- to the next person, next kind of person who's like a step lower than that. You know, you know it's, a, it's a, someone you feel good about, your friend, but you know you've had some difficulties with them, and when you think about them, it's kind of mixed, you know. But you have friendliness towards them, you have warmth toward them, but and so then you kind of do that person. You kind of see, you know, it takes a while because you have this mixed feelings about them, but it maybe takes longer to. But you, it's part of the task is to is to do that work, that inner work, that inner wrestling, inner processing, inner questioning, inner exploring to see how can I see this person, how can I look this person. So what comes out of me is only, only friendliness. The hostility falls away or the fear falls away. Just I can hold, hold the person in a kind way. And then you go you know, to where it's a little bit harder, what we call the neutral person. And when you get it going there well, then you start doing the work, the difficult work, I'm not saying it's easy, towards someone who you have a lot of difficulties with, the enemy. So you start where it's easiest and you slowly make your way to where it's hardest. So in um, ancient India, they figured, they assumed that the easiest person for everyone was themselves because the ancient Indians, ha- Indians didn't live in America. <laughs> and there's a lot of people in this culture for whom I think it has a lot to do with our cultural conditioning, very powerful cultural conditioning that uh, 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 creates uh, patterns, structural patterns in the way we think where we're very quickly inclined to be self-critical. And so uh, sometimes we're not the easiest place person to begin with. So then, uh, then we would start with someone else, not with oneself. And, um, and so often it can be uh, a benefactor. And a benefactor is someone for whom you have kind of unconditional positive regard for. Someone who, 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 where the uh, relationship is uncomplicated, uh, someone who has had... Uh, been supportive of you, been helpful for you. Perhaps you're grateful for them. Perhaps you're, um, uh, um, um, you know, there's a lot of natural feelings of love or warmth for that person because of that gratitude or because how they saw you. Um, you know, it could be a teacher in grade school. There was one teacher who really supported you and it was so important to have that one support in your life. And, and you don't know the person that well outside of classroom, but you know, it's easy for you. For you, it's an uncomplicated relationship. You're just so grateful, and you feel this this warmth. And you would do almost anything to that person if you ran into them and they were in need. 
or perhaps it's a, a you know a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a distant relative who somehow some people only have one distant relative who was there saved them growing up because everyone else was kind of complicated and difficult, and so they remember that one distant relative, or perhaps it's um, you know sometimes it's someone you've never met, though it's usually better to choose someone you know because they. Um, but it, some people like to do someone they never met, but they feel like they benefited a lot from. I think last week I mentioned some people who use the Dalai Lama. Some people feel like he's just, they just, they just can, you know, it's uncomplicated towards him. They just love him. And, but they never met him, you know, never heard him fart or anything. So, <laughs> so it's pretty easy. And um, so, um, so some people like doing that way. But uh, it's often recommended you choose someone you know and the reason you had direct contact with the reason for that is you want to try to develop a clear, strong sense of their presence. People who visualize uh, can well can uh, try to visualize the person. Uh, people have other ways. Maybe just remember thinking about the person, or or getting a kind of just a kind of some kind of kinesthetic sense of the person. Um, try to make the person kind of presence kind of come alive for you here and now. Uh, some people find it helpful to remember a time when you were with this person that was really good, a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, you know, a time maybe where they helped you or did something really wonderful for you. So you're, or, uh, what I like to do is to imagine someone uh, in my mind's eye <clears throat> and um, uh, remember what their face looked like when they were smiling. And that makes a big difference for me, to see them smiling. So do something, some memory, some kind of movement of thinking or visualization, that it can help you connect more strongly to the warmth, the friendliness, the love you might feel for that person. Um, and then, once you've kind of done that exercise, then you see if you can uh, find within you uh, the wish that uh, it would be really gr- great if they were happy. May it be so. Could it, would it be really, may it really be so. And... Um, and uh, maybe even consider, you know, how you might actually make that help, support that happen even. But somehow kind of see if you can find that wish. Now, generally in daily life, our minds jump around a lot. And, uh, you know, we might have one thing we're intending to do. Maybe we'll end up doing it, but, you know, we think about a lot of other things in between. And um, it's very rare that we have kind of um, uninterrupted, full focus on one particular thing, unless it's our neurosis. <laughs> Some people are very good at that, <clears throat> or their fear, or their anxiety. But to have a positive intention for something and to gather all our energies and, and, and really focus on it and do it in an uninterrupted way is unusual. And here you're being asked to do so with your the warmth, the kindness, the love, the friendliness, the friendship you feel towards someone. To really kind of get into it and get behind it and sense it and feel it and, um, and give it uh, some expression. Don't just leave it to something kind of resting in the back of your heart, but give it expression in these silent phrases. May you be happy, may you be safe, may you be um, healthy, and may you be at ease. Um, so when we do the practice then, <clears throat> we do these different things. We think of a person we try to get a good image or sense of the person in the mind's eye so they kind of really feel somehow connected to the person. We find the intention of goodwill 
And then generally in the classic practice, we start watering that intention, feeding that intention, expressing that intention with these phrases. And we'd say it over and over again. Just repeat it. And we want to repeat it in a way that's, uh, that's um, settling, that's calming. Uh, we don't want to, you know, not in a hurry, you know, you take your time. Um, uh, it helps if you kind of, um, I find it helpful to sink into the meaning of the phrases, what actually you're saying. Uh, let it resonate in the heart before you go on and say it again. Um, get a sense of it. The, um, um, and saying the phrases, one of the advantages of saying the phrases is it t- sometimes can keep the mind on track so you don't get distracted by something. It's easy enough to get distracted by thoughts. And so the practice is when you notice yourself thinking, getting distracted from the whole practice, then you uh, let go of the distraction and reorganize or recollect those three aspects of the practice. The sense of the person, the intention, and the phrases. And, um, and then you keep doing it over and over again, uh, trying to connect to it, trying to get it going, trying to get it purified, or, or maybe not purified, but get it, get it kind of really, get behind it, so that's mostly what you're about. So it's not interrupted or fragmented or um, distracted by other, other concerns and things. So just that your pure love for them or pure, pure friendliness for them stands out by itself. Um, you might have all, all kinds of arguments in your mind and why it's not okay to have pure friendliness. Um, it's best if you have those arguments later. Um, you, you know, this, is not, this is not meant to be like the way you're supposed to always be in your life. So you don't have to defend other options other ways of being. Because you, you're, you're not going to be stuck this way, I guarantee. <laughs> it just here and now, you're really kind of, this is a time to water this particular uh, quality of yours. To let this, you know, you're working out of the gym. So, you know, you're working out at the love gym. <laughs> and, uh, and so you're kind of like letting this kind of grow. And, um, and then later you can deal with all the complexities of life. But with that, str- that muscle, it's stronger. Um, so let's try that. You've been sitting now for 20 minutes. If you like to stand and stretch before we sit, uh, please, you know, shake out your legs. And... Since we're looking to develop a settled, focused momentum of kindness, it helps if we're settled and focused first. So to begin the loving-kindness practice, it's often nice to do something that's calming and settling. If you're, unless you're really sleepy, it's helpful to take a comfortable posture. If you're sleepy, you might want to not exactly be uncomfortable, but but uh, sit up, you know, straighter. And
And to help you uh, settle in, gently close your eyes. And then take a few long, slow, deep breaths. Perhaps slow enough, or just the right speed, that the deep breaths feel comforting or nourishing or soothing. As you exhale, <clears throat> see if you can let go of the thoughts and concerns of the day by reminding yourself that you're here now in this room, on this chair or this cushion, in, in this body. normal <clears throat> might be useful to look through your body to see if there's any easy places where you can relax holding in your body perhaps you can soften the muscles of your face around your eyes your jaws Perhaps you can relax and soften your shoulders <clears throat> or soften a little bit around whatever tension might be there. Some people find it helpful to soften their belly. And then within the body, as part of the body, becoming aware of your breathing. Become aware of how the breathing affects your body, the movements of chest and belly, feel the rhythm of inhaling and exhaling.
And let your interest go into staying with your breathing instead of whatever you're thinking. And for the next few minutes in silence, in a relaxed, easy way without expectation or demanding anything, expecting anything. Ride your breathing. Ride the waves of breathing in and breathing out. Letting go of anything else you might be thinking about. in preparing to do loving-kindness practice, some people find it helpful to center their attention in the area of the heart, perhaps noticing what it feels like to breathe in and out in the area around your heart. then bring to mind, see if you can think of someone who has been a benefactor for you. Someone who, for whom you feel just lots of goodwill, uncomplicated goodwill. 
a very good friend, supporter, teacher. And it doesn't have to be the perfect benefactor. Just you know, think of someone who you think fills the bill now well enough. And to help you feel more connected to the person, perhaps you can visualize the person, remember a time, the good time you had together. And see if you can find within you the idea that how wonderful it would be if this person could be really happy, really be at peace, have ease in his or her life. How would it be wonderful? And feeling how wonderful that would be, can, can you give birth to the wish that that be so? Maybe reflect a little bit that if you could, you would actually do something in support or in help or act of kindness to this person. Feeling your good, good, positive regard for this person, your good wishes. Then you can repeat after me these phrases. And see, as you say the phrases, you can maybe sink into the intention you have. May you be happy. May you be safe. keeping the person in mind, keeping your well-wishing in mind. Repeat again these phrases as I say them. And perhaps the last word can be like a pebble dropping into a pond, a pebble dropping into your body, into your heart. And let that pebble 
reverberate through your heart, through your body. May you be happy. safe may you be healthy So then for another couple of rounds, do it on your own. May you be happy, may you be safe, may you be healthy, may you be at ease. And see if you can let go of distracting thoughts in favor of really getting behind your friendliness, your kindness, your love for this person. And if, as you do the practice, as you think of this person, you should feel happy or joyful or loving, friendly, allow those feelings to bubble up and support you as you think about them, as you say the phrases.
And then in thinking about your benefactor, someone who's been supportive or helpful for you in your life, and kind to you. Imagine that you're looking at yourself now through their eyes. Imagine that you see yourself the way they see you, with their love for you, their care for you, their generosity for you. And now bring yourself to mind. And perhaps just as if, just as they would like you to be well and happy, See if you can find in yourself a simple wish, a desire, an intention for you yourself to be happy, to be safe, to be healthy, to be at ease. And then repeat these phrases to yourself as I, after I say them out loud. May I be happy. May I be safe. be healthy. May I be at ease. And then for a couple of rounds, Continue saying the phrases towards yourself on your own.
And then to end this sitting, you can take a couple of deep breaths, feel your body, and when you're ready, you can open your eyes. So in doing this loving-kindness in this way, you would always start doing it towards someone. Maybe start toward yourself or towards a benefactor or someone. And there's no hurry to, you know, rush on to the next category or other people. It isn't like, the, you know, you're supposed to just, you know, whoever can get through the most number of people in the fastest time wins. Um, it's, uh, there's no, you know, it's really you're doing it for yourself, what's useful for you. And so you can stay with one person for a long time. You can stay with yourself for weeks and weeks, just to you, and really kind of cultivate and develop that and discover that goodwill toward yourself and really stabilize it. So it really comes, comes, comes something that becomes like second nature to feel goodwill towards yourself. Uh, then you might switch and do a benefactor for a few weeks. So, you know, there's no hurry with this. Some people will go through the number of categories in one sitting. They'll do some, you know, a few minutes self, a few minutes benefactor, a few minutes friend, and that works. But when you're starting off, it's best not to be in a hurry. It's just kind of really stay with one category for a while. And don't switch to another person until either you um, uh, are bored with that person, and just like, you know, it's maybe it's better, I'm so bored, I better move to somewhere that's more juicy now. Someone else is fresh. Or, um, or more ideally, when you feel like it's uh, well established, like you feel like you've, you've, you, know, you kind of really have the, the goodwill, the love, the kindness, really flowing and clear, and and it just it's really there in a strong, steady way. And then when you feel and you feel kind of ready now to see, can you expand that out to someone else as well? And then you switch. If you start with a benefactor, or if you're using a benefactor for a while, and you decide to switch to someone else. You can, you can find another benefactor. And just stay with benefactors for a while. There's no hurry to, you know, you know there's no, nowhere you have to go. And, um, uh, bef- you know, to do benefactors for a while, a number of them before you go to start doing friends. So, you know, if you, some people like to do this over several weeks. So you might do several weeks of benefactors before you go to a friend. Some people like to, you know, move through the categories faster. Um, so... I'm curious to ask you now, for those of you uh, who have now done this before, where you started with yourself, today we started with a benefactor, and then you went to yourself. How was it different to you, to yourself after the benefactor compared to when you just did yourself from the, from the start? Well, I've done meta practice for quite some time, but um, it was really, really helpful to actually have the benefactor, imagine the benefactor seeing me with love. And that really helped me 
to do metta for myself. It's mm. very helpful. Beautiful. Okay, thank you. Other people find that helpful to see it through that that person's eyes. Anybody else want to say something? This is not necessary. Okay. Are you ready to go on to more? Or you want to sit quietly? Okay. So, um, so, benefactor is meant to be someone, you know, it's, it's really kind of clean, clear, easy to do, that have love or kindness, friendship towards. Then the next category is friends. And there are some friends who are benefactors, some friends who, you know, fit that category more or less, you know, feel very clean and clear. But, you know, we start getting into friends, there starts to be, sometimes be, you know, well, you know, there was that one time, <laughs> you know, and, and you might be sitting, there might be some unresolved thing from 20 years ago, and you're sitting quietly, and because you're so quiet and getting focused on this, all your warmth for them, that one thing comes to mind. And... Um, Maybe you have some resentment for something they did. Or maybe you remember, uh-oh, I feel all this love for this person. It's really amazing. It's my unconditional positive regard. How could I have said that thing to her? <laughs> you know, and that, you know, you realize, wait a minute, I did something. Um, and also towards oneself, when you're doing loving kindness towards oneself, uh, sometimes that's complicated. And you're sitting there doing love to yourself, kindness to yourself, as practice yourself. And then uh, there can be various complicated relationships to yourself that arises. Maybe um, you've um, caused harm someplace in the world once upon a time, and you realize you have unresolved issues around this, the unethical conduct you've done or the harm you've done, or perhaps uh, you've harmed yourself in some way, and uh, you've lived a lifestyle, done, done things which has been harmful to yourself, and you feel regret and remorse for how you've, what you've done. Or perhaps someone has harmed you, and so you feel a certain resentment and you carry with you. And it's hard to feel love even towards yourself because this a layer of resentment is there. So as a way of helping with um, doing loving-kindness, some people will start loving-kindness sessions with a session of forgiveness meditation, a reflective forgiveness. And um, because uh, forgiveness is meant to be the antidote to resentment to places the heart is closed. And when the heart is closed, you can't have the friendly, the friendship kind of flowing freely. And lots, uh, many people carry a lot of resentment, a lot of anger or hurt that you know, they hold tight, they get closed around. And so it can be quite significant to begin loosening it up and opening up that and not have that be a barrier. And so intentionally taking time to start a process of forgiveness can be very helpful for some people. Um, it's very important to understand that forgiveness is mostly for yourself. It's private. It doesn't mean you're excusing anybody. It doesn't mean you're uh, condoning them for what they did. It means uh, you're willing to let go of your resentment if you're forgiving someone. And if you're resenting someone, no matter how terrible they've been to you, you're, you're harming yourself. It's an unfortunate thing to do to oneself to hold that resentment. So what does it take to begin letting go and the movement of forgiveness is kind of this, an act of giving, forgiveness, um, where you give up um, uh, your, the closed heart. Um, and the, the, the person doesn't have to know you've done this. 
<laughs> Sometimes that makes it easier to want to do it. You know, if no good bastard, you know. <laughs> I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not going to let you know. <laughs> so, you know, whatever it takes to help, you know. This can be creative, right? So, um, the... Um, and then sometimes uh, uh, um, we've been hurt. And, uh, you know, so sometimes we've hurt others. And sometimes it's hard to kind of do the whole loving kindness practice in a thorough, deep way unless we've done some kind of restored, some kind of uh, more open relationship to them where we maybe at least ask for forgiveness. Or we open ourselves to the possibility of asking if we ever can see them. We kind of open our heart to them that way so that at least we're not closed because of our fear, our shame, our guilt. We're beginning, we're willing to make some kind of restitution, some kind of amends, some kind of apology or something. So we say, may you forgive me. And sometimes when we've harmed ourselves, and that's a significant place where it's complicated for people, it can be very uh, significant to, uh, to say, may I forgive myself. You're not expected to be able to forgive, you know, you know do it all at once, like boom, you know, I've done it, thank you. And for all, everything's forgiven. But it's, um, it, uh, for some, some things are so difficult that maybe the, the most profound thing you can do is to uh, decide that you'd like someday to move towards forgiveness. I'm not ready yet, but at least that's the direction I want to go. Th- that's very important. And taking that one step might begin loosening things up. And then eventually you might be able to do the more difficult work of actually working with the forgiveness but wanting to, forg- wanting to have forgiveness happen is a beautiful thing. And don't, complica- don't, don't make it too complicated by thinking, well, I can't do it, therefore I'm bad. Just the fact that you want it is a beautiful thing. Um, it's amazing how much hurt, anger, regret people can carry within them. And so people can carry this in their, in their hearts, in their minds. For, for a lifetime, you know, for 40, 50, 60 years. Um, it's unresolved, none dealt with. And so, you know, to get into this forgiveness practice, uh, meditation is something that can be for, uh, a very, very challenging, but very transformative thing to do, a very meaningful thing to do. I would suspect that most people who do loving kindness practice don't start with forgiveness practice. So you don't have to. But uh, there's a significant number of people who find it very helpful to begin with the forgiveness practice or maybe at least, um, you know, spend a period of, of time, a few months perhaps, doing it. Now, what happens if you do, do it regularly over and over again, both the forgiveness and loving-kindness practice? Because of the regularity of it, um, over time you begin exploring different aspects of yourself that you normally wouldn't encounter. So like, like maybe at first, you know, you do the forgiveness stuff and you say, well, I've been told it's a good idea, so I guess I'll do it. And you do it for a week, two, and you know, it's, you know, it's kind of like dry, you know, it's, you know, I don't have any problems. And then you do it again. But then after a while, you, because you're doing it regularly, it, it kind of jogs some memory. Wait a minute. It's true. I have this real anger towards that person. You know, my high school girlfriend... I haven't seen her for 30 years. But you know, I didn't realize you're still a little bit there, the way, the way that she... <laughs> and, uh, and so, oh, I guess there is something to be done. And then you do it, and it, you actually feel lighter. 
I didn't know I was holding this kind of heavy thing still. It's, so what I'm trying to say is you keep doing it for a while, it flushes out things that would surprise you, brings things to the surface. And if you're a kind of person who does it for a few weeks, a month or something, and, and you find that you have no issues of forgiveness whatsoever, then um, take that as, uh, not waste of time, but take that as um, kind of proof of how lucky you are. <laughs> you know, this is pretty, you're pretty lucky, pretty fortunate. So um, what I thought we'd do, <clears throat> if you guys are ready for it again, is to do another session of meditation where we start with forgiveness and then do a little bit briefly to ourselves and then open up to friends. Just skip over the benefactor and open to a friend and see where that goes for a little bit. And then, does this seem okay? Or You're all kind of subdued, so uh, I don't want you to go to sleep. So if you want to, st- if you want to stand again and stretch, stretch really well or whatever you can do that's helpful for you, please. So the forgiveness practice is done similarly to the loving-kindness in that it centers around uh, an intention, an intention of forgiveness in some way or other, a request for forgiveness. And uh, it also um, is done by saying, uh, repeating phrases that express that intention. And um, I'll say the phrases and then you can repeat after me. So first, uh, gently close your eyes. Or if you're more comfortable with them open, that's fine. Keep them open. And um, perhaps again, take a couple of deep breaths. If you're sleepy, perhaps deep in-breaths can bring some energy. Turn to normal. And then staying with your breath a little bit the best you can. Organizing yourself, centering yourself around the experience of breathing. One breath at a time.
And then see if you can turn your thoughts and your wishes towards forgiveness. Maybe with the idea that if there's any need for forgiveness in your life, offering it or receiving it, let this be a chance to begin that process. Even if you haven't identified what it is, And with that wish for intention for forgiveness, first offer your forgiveness to someone else who might have wronged you. And say these phrases, and let that you say the phrases, let them work you, be surprised by what bubbles up. The phrase is this way, for whatever harm, intentionally or unintentionally, someone has caused me, I now forgive. For whatever harm, Others have caused me, intentionally or unintentionally. I begin a process of forgiveness. Intentionally or unintentionally, someone has caused me, I forgive. And then turn it around to ask for forgiveness. If there's ever ever been any ways that you've caused other people harm, open yourself to the possibility that you could ask them for forgiveness. Repeating this phrase, for whatever harm, intentionally or unintentionally, I have caused others. May they forgive me. For whatever harm, intentionally or unintentionally, 
I have caused others. May they forgive me. or unintentionally, I have caused others. May they forgive me. Then the practice is to do it towards oneself. For whatever harm, intentionally or unintentionally, I may have caused myself, I forgive. harm, intentionally or unintentionally, I have caused myself. I forgive. intentionally or unintentionally, I have caused myself. I begin a process of forgiveness. It's a tender thing to enter the world of forgiveness. And from that world, when we turn towards loving kindness, towards oneself, the loving kindness might, might, might not take the form of being joyful and light and warm, but it might feel very tender, a tender-hearted love or See if you can now turn towards yourself, an image of yourself, a feeling for yourself, 
with kind regard for yourself. And see if you can find within you, perhaps through your tenderness, a caring for yourself, kind caring. Where you'd wish yourself well. And then repeat these phrases to yourself. May I be happy. May I be safe. May I be healthy. May I be at ease. And then preparing yourself the practice towards a friend. Take a few minutes to breathe quietly. Letting go of concerns you have. And begin bringing to mind, think about a friend for whom your friendship is relatively uncomplicated. a friend who maybe brings you a sense of easy delight in knowing them. It's easy for you to feel happy when you think about them. Bringing to mind this person, imagining, visualizing them perhaps, Looking at your intentions of goodwill for them. Then repeat the following phrases. May you be happy. Be safe. May you be healthy. 
May you be at ease. And then we do it one more time, and as you do it, can you relax something, soften something, open something within you? So that there's a stronger feeling or sense of goodwill, generosity towards this person, well-wishing. Maybe you can see their face smiling as if they're happy. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be healthy. May you be at ease. And then in the last couple of minutes of this sitting, let go of the loving-kindness practice. And in a very simple and open-handed way, be mindful of how it is for you, how you are. Be mindful of what's happening instead of thinking about what's happening. Be present and feel, observe as, as it is.
And you can take a couple of deep breaths as a way of getting ready to end. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Now, I think for some of you, bringing in the forgiveness aspect changed the whole tone of this whole thing. And um, I hope that uh, you can appreciate that um, the whole field of loving-kindness practice, loving-kindness, um, is not meant to be kind of a hallmark, kind of light, fluffy kind of thing, but is really um, addressing, touching some of the m- most profound and challenging parts of our heart, of our inner life. And some of the places that are most meaningful and most tender and sometimes places that have been most hurt or places that have the most capacity for um, being very open and vulnerable as well. Something very deep within us. And so the loving-kindness practice is phenomenally, um, I think, a powerful practice that um, uh, if you do it, it opens up all kinds of doors in your heart, all kinds of different aspects of your life and depths of it and, and a certain kind of uh, power and strength. Um, it's not meant to make you a, a kind of a light, weaker person. It's really meant to make you a strong person and there's a strength to that, this kind of love we're talking about, this friendliness that uh, hopefully gets cultivated by rooting ourselves and really letting that radiate or come forth from us. But because uh, the, you know, our hearts, our inner life, psychological life is so multifaceted, um, we have to expect that when you do loving-kindness practice that you're going to begin opening doors that uh, don't or, aren't ordinarily associated with love. <laughs> um, and so um, it's very common, as, at some point as we do it, it's, like going through, it's like, kind of like you drop through layers and some of the layers you have to go through are layers where you have to do some work. Like, so you might end up in a layer as you go through the deeper and deeper into your heart uh, that you find layers of um, anger or resentment or uh, hurt. And sometimes people do loving-kindness practice are quite surprised that, you know, before they know it, they're enraged. What's going on? I was doing this love and, I was doing this, and now I'm just, you know, in fury. It's kind of like it, you know, loving kindness tenderizes the heart, or, or kind of breaks away the crust, the resistance in the heart, and what's stored inside has a chance to come come forth. Um, we say it's very important to uh, to not turn away from that, not cover it over, not override it, like with affirmations or something, but really be very respectful of what bubbles up inside. If you can, be loving towards it, be kind to it, friendly towards all the difficult, what's difficult within you. Um, and there's something very significant, we say it's something very significant is moving through you if you sit quietly and it bubbles up from inside. Don't see it as a mistake or that it shouldn't happen. But what you can do is you can either do loving-kindness towards that difficult part or what you can do is just, just drop doing the loving-kindness and do uh, mindfulness practice for a while with the anger, the hurt, whatever it might be there. Uh, and just, and just uh, enter that world with mindfulness, you know, all the skills of mindfulness hopefully you've learned 
um, uh, and, and wise way of being with it. And until you've worked through it or settled it or done something with it, there's no longer you know an issue so much. And then you can go back to the loving kindness. Go back to the loving kindness. So please don't uh, uh, take the uh, don't take it as a sign that practice is not working if the opposite occurs. Uh, it's better to take that as being oh, you know it's working. And it's dislodged. It's you know, it's it's freed up this part of me that now I need to address, in some way. Um, so as we start going to, into the friendship category, you might do like a pretty good friend at first, which is pretty pretty easy. But then as you kind of move on, you kind of start realizing, oh, there is you know, I have a lot of friendship with this person, but there are some issues here. There is something that keeps my heart closed or something. Okay, so what what will it take now? for me to open that heart all the way for that person. So there's no closed little corners of my heart for this person. And sometimes it can be an, uh, all an internal thing that you work through on your own and you find some way to open up and open up until you have it flowing nicely. Um, s- sometimes it takes uh, trying to consider a new way of seeing the person. And it's, uh, can you kind of look at the person with the different eyes? Uh, uh, maybe not eyes, and maybe not, maybe... Maybe, maybe you're not a selfish person particularly, but maybe with eyes that are less self-centered, or not about me, but maybe eyes of, you know, I've, I've done the loving-kindness practice where I imagined um, uh, uh, how the person was looked at by their good mother, you know, when they were a baby or something. And, um, you know, it's, oh, that person had a mother who just loves them unconditionally, perhaps. <laughs> You know, it's my, from this exercise, it's better that I assume that that was the case. That was the, ca- that was the case, and um, and then um, and then I kind of then, and then I have that image. Then like, oh, then I see them in a much more positive way. It's easier for me to do it to open my heart to them. Um, um, or perhaps what's needed is real world meaning like outside meditation. Meditation is real too. But you know, in the world, um, go and make amends. You know, sometimes you can't just do it all inside. You have to go and say, you know, I stole your best porcelain and, I, you know, <laughs> I can't really do the loving kindness until I return it here. <laughs> or I don't know. It's just, I don't know why that came to mind. But, but you have to make amends. You have to do something. You know, apologize or, or say something or, Work, you know, actually work something out, work, work it out with someone. The world of our interpersonal life, interpersonal relationship, is, is again, um, um, uh, extremely important for people. It's something, to, you know, it, almost as you can see, be reverent towards it and be very, um, it's, uh, don't take it something as a lightweight kind of thing to start working and exploring and developing. It's really at, uh, very much at the heart of much of what our human life is about. And loving-kindness practice is one approach to getting in there and opening it up and developing one of the, some of the beautiful qualities a human being has. Beautiful friendliness, beautiful love, kindness, and letting it really kind of, um, you know, become a bigger part of our life. So it becomes second nature. So that, um, you know, if someone cuts you off in traffic, uh, instead of being second nature to do something with your middle finger, uh, it becomes second nature to think, oh, maybe that person had a hard day today. Maybe I'll kind of, you know, get them, make it easier for them to get through or get by. So there's, a, you know, an instinct of generosity or kindness rather than an instinct of aggression or something. And uh, that's quite significant to have that kind of shift and change happen. Um, 
So we'll just start to end. Um, so, uh, you know, again, as I said last time, this, I think it'll make, um, this class uh, is designed to build on itself. And so if you do this practice at home during the week, then uh, you'll come a little bit better prepared for as we build next week. So um, what I'd like to suggest you do now is to, when you, you might, if, if you find the forgiveness interesting or helpful or something, you might experiment with it. As you start with forgiveness. Start with just simple, quiet relaxation. Do a brief period of forgiveness. Do a brief period towards yourself. And then begin exploring a benefactor and perhaps a friend. And so maybe you can do that, you know, uh, I don't want to rush you through all these categories, don't, it doesn't, but uh, maybe you can at least give yourself 20 minutes to go through it in a way. If it seems rushed and you need to spend more time with yourself or more time, with, you know, uh, spend more time. You know, don't, be, don't hurry through. Don't, but it's better to get established someplace with loving kindness like to yourself than it is to rush through a lot of categories. But it'd be nice if you can explore the benefactors a little bit and the friends um, before next week and kind of look at some of the issues that come up and understand what goes on there a little bit and for you. And um, so you know, it's great to do in meditation, in formal meditation. But also, you could also just do it here and there and about town, right? Um, uh, just, you know, I like, you know, I like to do it at airports. <laughs> you know, it's usually better than the alternative that I have at the airports. But I, I'll sit there, and, you know, and, 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 uh, and just sit and do people watching. And... Um, and uh, just look, watch them go by. And usually I, I imagine them home in their kitchen smiling and happy and because usually their faces are not so like that at the airports. And, uh, and then I kind of imagine as they go by, I say, oh, may it be so. May you be happy. And I think it's a wonderful way of being at airports as opposed to, you know, some of the alternative ways. And um, so you can just kind of experiment, kind of just, you know, see what it does to your daily life and what happens there. Um, and um, so that's what I have for today. There is this handout here that you can take that uh, reviews, repeats a little bit of this and says a little bit more about loving kindness here. And um, maybe, Hillary, maybe you can put it outside there, maybe in two piles and two chairs or something. And um, so um, it is my wish that all of you be happy completely, that all of you feel really safe, contented, fulfilled, healthy, peaceful. I think it'd just be so great. I would just it would be so, make you so happy. Just the idea of that, just the idea of it makes me happy. <laughs> I hope that you go home and you put your head in your pillow to go to sleep and you just feel contented and happy and glad that you're kind of, wow. You know, this loving kind of stuff, it's, you know, it's hard, it's challenging, it's, but, you know, this is really neat that I'm doing it, and feel happy for yourself that, yeah, I'm doing this, and fall asleep happy. <laughs> May it be. <laughs>